Love burgers and pizza. Wanna see me eat some? Can't get enough of that meat. Yum. Chili cheese fries and some Mr. Pib. I need tacos with a nasty dip. Pico de gallo, mayo or dryo. Hot sauce or barbecue straight from Ohio. Homemade coleslaw, fuck Boston Market. Junkie blue cheese range into five star bread. Only one time was in. Hello and welcome to Bring a Plate. I'm Peter Clark Faggot Taggart. My God, and I'm Rebecca Shaw. There's a story behind that, Rebecca Shaw. Clark Faggot. Clark Faggot. So I was walking. Is that to- like Superman? It is. So I was walking to work on Wednesday morning. I start work at 5 a.m. Glamorous. For some reason. Uh, I deal heroin at the train you do, station. <laughs> you do three hours of makeup before you walk yeah, into the I office. Yeah, I have to go in and get my hair done in, in the city. <laughs> and I'm walking through and, you know, at 5 a.m. in the morning, there are some questionable characters around, you could say. Like you. Um, so, there were two junkies who were very lovely. Uh, they saw me approaching and um, one of them said to uh, the female that he was with, um, why am I talking like a robot? One man said to female. Um, <laughs> of he, your species. <laughs> he turned to her and looked at my glasses and the suit that I was wearing and he said, oh, that, that's Clark Kent. <laughs> Which is pretty funny <laughs> anyway. And that then and then the woman turns to him and says, Clark Faggot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I wasn't even mad. I just thought it was really funny. <laughs> they are funnier than us. <laughs> they are. <laughs> they should have they their should, own podcast. We, if they ever got off the gear, their podcast would be incredible. <laughs> That's great. How's your week been, Rebecca? Oh, look, just spectacular. Why? What's been wrong? No, nothing. It's been fine. It was just, yeah, the last few days, like with the Phil Hughes stuff and all that. Incredibly sad. Sad, very sad. But we're we're here to entertain and and fill the people with joy, Rebecca. And that's that's why we're here uh, in Cavill (laughs) Avenue. Oh, at yes. Surface Paradise, yep. we are with the uh, Red Frog crew. Are they the Red at- Frog crew or the Red Frog Brigade? I don't know, but also are they Christian? <laughs> I think so. I think it's a Christian thing. Yeah, I think so as well. Explain to people w- what the Red Frog crew do. Well, they are at schoolies. Mm-hmm. There's lots of drunk teenagers. And are they just – they basically – I think there's – um. One crew for each hotel. Really? I'm pretty There's sure. That many. Yeah. So they basically just keep an eye out for the kids and they give them red frogs, which is how, like the lolly, which is how it all started. It's very interesting, isn't it? Because when, uh, you have children, small children, you tend to not give them like any red lollies because they'll go <laughs> crazy. Like that's what you associate red lollies with is like yeah. hyperactivity and yet yeah. they're at school and they're like, hey, just have some. Bring you down. Yeah. We, we know you're kind of drunk and a bit, you know, you could fall asleep at any minute with all this alcohol in your system, but let's bring you back up <laughs> with these red frogs. But I think it's good. It's good to have someone there, I guess, even though I don't know. I read a thing that was saying that there was like a guy that was passed out and he wanted to go back to the hotel, but his friends didn't want to go. So they're like, let's just call the Red Frog crew and I'll take him home. So there's that sort well, they of just, stuff. What do you mean take them home? They drive they, you home? I think they walk, because you can walk everywhere during schoolies. So I think they like walk you back to your hotel and make sure you don't die. Maybe they have one of those um little like bike things in the city. What do they call them? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like the tuk-tuk. <laughs> tuk-tuk, yes. <laughs> I can't speak with too much authority on it though, Beck, because I actually, I never went to schoolies. Didn't you? I know you did. Mm-hmm. Which I, I'm always shocked when I think about your life before you met me. Like I just, <laughs> I just thought you were sitting. Because I a, had fun. I thought you were sitting in a room, like with like a chair face towards the wall, <laughs> and we're like, "What's missing?" <laughs> I can't get out of bed today, guys. <laughs> um, did people in St George go? Any was there a place they went to go to schoolies? I think there were certainly kids in other years who went to schoolies. I, I don't know like about my own Coast. year. They're like there were sixteen kids or something who graduated yeah. <laughs> from St George, but um, of all time, by the way, not just <laughs> my year. Uh, it was very expensive, I think. It, yeah. It's very expensive to go to schoolies. And yeah. people from St. George were poor and tight. Yeah. So, But I know that some to. places like in Cairns and stuff, they have their own version oh, yeah. of the Gold Coast. I didn't know if St. George had like no, a they slightly didn't ga- bigger town. <laughs> they didn't gather by the river <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for the week. No, no, no. Yeah, I went to schoolies, surprisingly. Um, I had friends. Yeah. <laughs> and we went to the Gold Coast. But we kind of stayed outside of surfers. Like I didn't go to surfers at all. Like you we were just 
Yeah. You were just riding the claw at Dreamworld the <laughs> yeah. whole time, yeah. No, well, we had like a bunch of different... Uh, the hotel was basically full of schoolies people, so we just drank in their hotel room. Yeah. But I don't advise having the first time you ever get drunk be at schoolies, which is what happened to me. Your, your parents never drank? They never offered you a drink? or No. Okay. They never got, my parents never got me drunk, no. No, no not with my parents, but, <laughs> but you didn't go to parties in high school? Um, I just had never been drunk before. My friends and I were all good girls. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think... Having the first time you experience getting drunk in a schoolies environment full of random strangers mm. and and you were other out on the street. No, no, no. It was in a hotel. Okay, uh, in a hotel bathroom for most of it <laughs> when I was vomiting. Beautiful. Yeah, so it was a very pleasant experience. So I guess the lesson is get your teenagers drunk. What were schoolies like in the eighties? <laughs> Here it comes. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it was fun and we were good. So we just went, like, we would go do, like, catch a bus and go 10 pin bowling and stuff during the day. Oh God. Go to Pacific Fair, yes, see the first we did. Matrix film. We did see a movie. Thank <laughs> was you very it the much. Matrix? No, I've never seen that. That was probably too, when did that come out? <laughs> too early. We saw Gone with the Wind. <laughs> um, I don't know, Beck, compared oh. to your <clears throat> schoolies <throat> experience, mine was pretty what? Isled. Um, don't want to brag. Uh, me and my friend Ben uh, yep. went to stay at his aunt's place, who's now the chief scientist of New South Wales. What? What? Uh, we stayed in her Balmain Terrace house. Oh, my God. She lived two doors down from Dawn Fraser. Whoa. <laughs> we looked after her two beautiful cats. She took us to the opera. We went for brunch at Katoomba. <laughs> And we sat next to Damien Leith in a Turkish restaurant. So, look. That's outrageous. Did you have a Red Frog Brigade following you around to the (laughs) opera? Um, I was thinking this morning, my friend, who I won't name. um, Is she in the Witness Protection Program? (laughs) Yes. After schoolies, she got taken. Um, She hooked up. We met these guys from another school, not in our city. And so all of my friends hooked up with like one of those guys in the group. Yeah. Not me. Um, (laughs) and, but the guy she hooked up with was a baseball player, but he had stretch marks all on his arms. And I think from steroids. Oh. And so she disappeared with him one night (laughs) and we were convinced, we convinced ourselves that because he had a little necklace, it's like a little vial thing. And we convinced oh, ourselves no. that he'd like drugged oh, her. Like, horrible things happened. <laughs> but I think she just lost her virginity to him. So Okay, good. <laughs> I don't know. I, I love the news coverage on it, though. I do get oh. to see a fair bit of news coverage in the nature of my job of schoolies. And there was a boy on it uh, on the news the other day. <laughs> what does he say? I, I've got it written down here. He goes, um, there are like no good chicks here. Like, uh, I've been looking for good chicks and there are like no good chicks here, mate. <laughs> oh my God. Vince Colosimo just came in the room. That was incredible. <laughs> Do you think I could get a role in, um, Paul Fennec's next movie? <laughs> That's sad though. No good chicks. No good chicks. It is sad. <laughs> um, apparently these guys called into Triple J the other morning, um, and they were, older guys and whoever the host was asked them if they were toolies and they're like no we're coolies oh, no. <laughs> uh, toolies are the saddest people on earth <laughs> they really are you're not the coolies that's worse than the toolies oh mate i always imagine toolies like the um the chris Catan, will ferrell night at the oh, roxbury yeah. characters <laughs> talking of um young people and cool music Rebecca. Yes, which I'm an expert on all of those things. The Arias mm. were on this week. What are they? Um, <laughs> I didn't know that was going to be a quiz. I would have Wikipedia'd it. I didn't know they were on until I saw some tweets. The night As of? they were happening. Okay. Um, and I didn't watch any of it and I didn't keep up with any of the news. I didn't watch it either, which is why I'm so glad that we're talking about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I used to watch it every year. Why? Because I was, lonely, I, I used to know a lot lonely. about music. I used to know, I used to really be yeah. into top 40 music. And yeah. I, I don't know any of the songs or any of the people there mm. anymore. Like, were, Sia, I know. Who, what, did Fiona Horn and Paul McDermott win anything <laughs> last night? I think the last time I watched was, um, 
The last time I watched was um, Madison Avenue. Oh my god! I literally I, have it written down. I love them. The greatest of aria performance yeah. of all time is Madison <laughs> Avenue in two thousand, dancing around a glass of water. <laughs> Which, it's if you haven't seen, so, it's a, isn't it a medley of their songs? Yeah, it's, and it's so weird. She has a glass of water at the front of the stage, and she keeps bending. She comes. There's, there's a moment. There's about. I think it goes about a minute and a half or two minutes into the medley of songs that she's doing and they're Don't all great songs me, baby. and then she holds out her hand and someone rushes onto the stage with this tall glass of water that looks like it has something dissolved into it like it's Aspirin. like god let's hope so and it's very cloudy and she doesn't get to drink any of it for about three minutes because she's busy dancing in a, li- a nappy yeah. <laughs> but she puts it right at the center of the stage and the shot uh, so much of the shot of that music performance is like of the glass of yeah, water. Yeah, it's such a weird vantage point. They're filming like from below the water, from below up the water, onto the up stage. to her nappy and her face. <laughs> and you know what? That's that was two thousand, which is oh, pre Jesus. our YouTube days. So it's something that like you couldn't Google the next no. day and watch again. We all just collectively remembered <laughs> yeah. that happening. Um, this is Aria. Uh, this- what? Arias. Arias. Yeah. Uh, Iggy Azalea, who's probably the most successful Australian performer this year. She wasn't there, Rebecca. Good. Why would she be? She also doesn't have an Australian accent anymore. <laughs> she also, I would argue that Sierra is our most successful. Oh, uh, probably. If you're counting songs. Songwriting and, and yeah. money. Which I don't. No. <laughs> <laughs> you can count songs when you're talking about music. Stupid. Um, yeah, so Sia um, got in trouble for not... Uh, because Being she there. was she in Australia at the time? No. Okay. But she also recorded because she won four times. Mm-hmm. Um, but they only showed one acceptance speech. What and was so, the decision behind that? I don't know, but a lot of people were like, "Why didn't see him?" And she's like, "Um, I did record four. They just showed one." And then she gave away her arias. Yeah, I love that. on Twitter, which which reminds me of like Homer Simpson throwing out his Grammy in that one episode, and and the guy he's like, "Don't throw away your garbage down here." And then there was the um, Liam Payne. Was that in Australia? His that was in Australia. Thing? He was on. <laughs> I, I think he was on the red carpet of the Arias, and there's a vine that's been circulated where he's essentially posing for selfies with a horde of teenage girls. Yeah, and he just looks like he is dead inside. He hates his life. He wants to die. Every time that he's not posing for a photo, he looks tragically sad. He looks yeah. He looks like someone's he, he just killed smiles, a dog in front of him. And then his face drops. Yeah. Smiles. But I feel so bad for them. Someone was telling me, like, without me asking, that um, <laughs> they've basically toured an album a year since they mm. were 16 and now they're 21. So they're just all totally burnt Very out. Tired. And you have that kind of pressure from crowds and crowds of people You're every minute that you're outdoors. Like, it would be exhausting. Do you know who's the most normal one I discovered this morning? Who, who I think is the most genuine person. He seems to still be enjoying it. Harry. Old potato face. Oh, Niall no. Horan. I don't even remember what he looks like. Look, the Arias, you know, not all was lost because we got to see Matt O'Kine's penis. So. Who? Matt O'Kine. Oh, did from we? Triple J. Yeah. He wore like a Sia oh. flesh colored suit and the penis outline was the clearest Mwah. I've ever seen. <laughs> I don't care about Matt O'Kine's penis. I thought it was worth mentioning though. <laughs> Definitely. Beck. In music Hello. news this week, another great, great artist um, okay, has so- emerged, <laughs> has has burst out of her cocoon. Turned from a caterpillar into a Turned from a Academy Award winning actress into a beautiful <laughs> Avril Lavigne shaped <laughs> butterfly. Now, I hadn't heard of this when he sent it to me, so explain what it is. Okay. Um, oh, first of all... So you sent this to me. It's Abigail Breslin. So you're explaining yes. it now, yeah. <laughs> but you sent it to me that she had sung a song about someone from Five, Five SOS. Yes. And it you took- thought it was the Abba song? <laughs> no, but it took me <laughs> until I started re- to realise what that stood for. Oh, <laughs> so that's God how much almighty. music I don't know. Um, Abigail Breslin, who we, we would know, her last movie was with Meryl Streep and Margot Martindale, uh, August Osage County. Is anybody supposed to smoke? Perfect impression. Not of her. Not of her. <laughs> she was not very good in that movie. She was not. She was kind of like into Dermot Mulroney or he was yeah. into her or something. It was weird. She's not a very good actress. Disagree. I think she's quite likable. However, mm, she she used to date Michael Clifford, who is the redhead one. He kind of looks like um, 
cross between Drazik and uh, Ratso from the Ferals, whatever that, <laughs> that, that Muppet <laughs> character was called. Um, He's not very handsome. Yeah, so Michael Clifford, I don't know what he does in 5SOS, probably just stands there, has red hair. She would date him and he broke her heart. And that sense of five seconds of summer in case five you seconds aren't, of up, summer. aren't up with the cool things yeah. like me. She's written a kind of, I guess, love love revenge song about well, him. Well, they're saying that it's about him. It's definitely it, <laughs> about him. Well, that's what the article I read. They're okay. like, oh, there's clues let, because he talks. <laughs> let's first, let, let's listen to a little bit of Abigail Breslin's new hit single, You Suck. It does sound like um, a 90s song. I And I quite like unashamedly it. Unashamedly like it. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's really catchy. catchy. The video looks like it's been shot on an iPhone and edited yeah. there as well. But not as good as Beyonce's <laughs> no. on an iPhone. I actually, because it does sound like Avril Lavigne could have sang it in the mm-hmm. 90s, I actually yeah. quite like it. So. I quite like it too. The thing about love revenge songs like this is... It's no, you're so vain. Like, there's nothing vague about this. It's basically like she walked into, like, a police station and was trying to identify a mugger and writes down, like, all his uh, physical (laughs) characteristics and has put it into a song. There should be a line about Clifford the Big Red Dog. (laughs) Do you think she recorded this song from a car boot, a la The Call? Oh, my God. Oh, she was in that. She was in The Call. Oh, she was fine in that. Okay, I take it back. Yeah. Yeah, revenge songs are really funny and I you can never know if they're, like... All in on it, or you know, yeah. Because wasn't Justin wasn't Crimea River about Scarjo? No, it starred Scarjo, and it was about Brittany. Yeah. yeah. Was that what goes around? Was that Crimea River? No, that was a different no. song. Yeah, that's what goes. <laughs> what goes around? <laughs> what a music chat this episode. <laughs> I don't know anything. Can we talk about it's for real? Books? It's for real music buffs. <laughs> That's what people say about this show. Beck, I think we should stop talking about things we know nothing about and start talking about news minutes. Hi, I'm Rebecca Shaw and this is News Minute. Lindsay Lowen has participated in the trend of celebrities Instagramming their Thanksgiving festivities by posting a photo of a dog sniffing a turkey. Coincidentally, dog sniffing a turkey will also be the name of Lindsay's autobiography. This past week, Brisbane was hit with the worst storm it has seen in 10 years or since Gladiators was filmed at the Entertainment Centre. It's rumoured Hollywood producers are looking to adapt Sarah Koenig's popular podcast Serial into a motion picture. So next summer, keep your eyes out, podcast fans, for Rob Schneider as MailChimp. Pieface was placed into voluntary administration this week. Ugh, please guys, yes, I've gone broke, but my name is Rebecca Shaw. Now here's Spore with Peter. Well, following government budget cuts to the ABC, the national broadcaster is set to drop television coverage of women's football in a move I'm calling the worst thing to happen to lesbians since bed death, Tully from Big Brother, the markup of Pear Cider, Tattoo, Fire at the Birkenstock Factory, Fire in Newtown, Fire in Olivia Newtown John, Worldwide Shortage of One-Syllable Nicknames, Rebecca Shaw. 26-year-old surfing pro Stephanie Gilmore has won her sixth ASP world title and more importantly, the title for least precocious Gilmore girl. And finally, millions of people across the US have spent the week grazing on turkey, mashed potato and collard greens in preparation for that great all-American tradition, the Super Bowl. And that's sport. Uh, Rebecca. Yes. I've been fascinated this week and most weeks. With me and with what you. I have to say. Um, but this was pretty much triggered by a news story I this week. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> this was triggered by, by a, a news story I watched this week mm. all about uh, doomsday preppers. 
Uh, the the new trend of doomsday preppers. Yeah. Guys, have you heard about it? That I wrote about three years ago. <laughs> really? Did you write about yeah. it three years ago? For what? Uh, King's Tribune. It was after the floods and all that and I oh. lots of similar things happened. So I wrote about that show. I really am fascinated yeah. with preppers. They're also known as survivalists. Yeah. Um. Maybe Some, maybe doomsday preppers is like the N word for survivalists. Like they get offended if you call them that. It but is very interesting. I think it has its origins like in World War Two. So essentially, they're people who are preparing for an apocalyptic event, preparing for the end of the world in different ways. In very and the ways. show covers two or three, I think. Different the show's people. on. National Geographic. Yeah. Um, I suppose it popularized the term yeah. Doomsday Preppers. Um, I th- yeah, it's been on since 2012, uh, the year that we were supposed to have the world destroyed. Yes. <laughs> As the Mayans. To. Yeah. Didn't go ahead. No. Um, God. yeah, I, I got, I went through a period of watching it a lot after mm-hmm. the floods happened here and, um, <laughs> getting tips. Well, because we, Basically, when the floods happened, we had no, we weren't prepared whatsoever. No. We didn't even have a battery operated radio. So you didn't have power? No, we, we didn't have power and we couldn't get out of our house for oh, two wow. days. Like both ends of the street were flooded. I thought you meant like the doors were locked. We just <laughs> physically couldn't get out of we the house. We lost our keys. Yeah. <laughs> no, so, but, um, on the way back from work, when everyone got sent home that mm. day, we stopped at the shops and people, had gone. Oh, it was like nuts, an apocalypse. Crazy. And we couldn't find any water and nothing. People were like fighting over fresh bread. But yeah, so it really, like, I think a certain level of preparedness is good. Yes. And you should have that. But Doomsday Preppers is on another level. Yes. Some it's of the them- next level up. It, the, the interesting thing about preppers or survivalists is that they, it's kind of like a group supported mass anxiety disorder. Like, <laughs> they're yep. constantly justifying why they are the way they are, why they live these these lives of always being prepared for any event. Because they're like, if, if there's ever a terror attack or there's a natural disaster, we're like, well, look, look at what we're doing now. We're prepared for yeah. it, you idiots. But some of them have, like, some of them are preparing for things that are actually will probably happen. So, like, natural disasters Floods, because of global cyclones, yeah. But some of them are like polar vortexes or like soviet union's going to attack or they're racist or they're like obama's going to cause a devaluation of currency (laughs) and so and some of them have mental problems oh yeah um it's interesting because there's lots of different sorts of survivalists as you said and they focus on different things so there's like safety preparedness there's wilderness survival which bear grills style um there's the the people who are very into building their own shelters yeah. as well. And then there's like the health medical side who are preparing for like a mass illness. So yeah. they're the kind of people, if you've ever seen the Julianne Moore film Safe, <laughs> <laughs> they're the kind of people who are like building their homes into like boy in the bubble, yeah. own air supply, etc. But um, I do love the um, – there's, there's episodes where you can tell that like the wives, they because a lot of them are men. Yes, are just like you're ruining our lives. Like you're spending all your weight. Like there was one family where the the man's wage, entire wage, was going to prepping. Wow. And so it's a hobby. It's just another hobby. It is. It's just like instead of it's having like, instead of going golf, to the races, yeah, and you spend it on canned food. <laughs> I, I I watched an episode last night. It was I think the first episode of season four. Um. I do want to play a little bit of an audio clip from this episode. Now, there there is one man who uh, he's teaching his children um, to shoot. Mm-hmm. This is where Doomsday Preppers, for me, just go a little bit too mm-hmm. far. A lot of it's about, you know, um, I mean, one guy in the episode had his own lake. He had his own veggie patch. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, got a big solar system. It he's, sounds like he's retired. Yeah, it sounds like, you know, he's, it's like a Stephanie Alexander's kitchen garden. <laughs> <laughs> the original Doomsday Prepper, Stephanie Alexander. Um, but... In this scene, he's teaching his two young children. I think the girl must be five or six. uh, And his boy may be ten. The boy's name is Cray. 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 C-R-A-E. And he's teaching them to shoot with rifles, the variety of which are used by the Chinese army. Mm -hmm. So I'd just like you to uh, listen to this clip. Okay. Sammy's turn. Hold it now. I'm going to help you. Can you see down there? Yes. Line it up and pull the trigger. Oh, Dad, this gun is heavy. It is heavy. 
Ooh, good one. That was close. Come on, Sam. You can do it. Yeah. Good job, Sam. You did awesome. Was that fun? Kind of. You're never too young to learn how to shoot. When they doomsday preppers cross over and having like they've only spent their money on a huge cachet of of armory. And if if the road has taught me anything, is it other people? (laughs) To eat babies. Number one, eat babies. (laughs) Yes. Number two, other people are going to be the worst. By the way, what is it with these like end of the world movies like The Road? Um, eating babies because I I also watched uh, Snowpiercer. Oh, don't um, spoil anything for on me. Netflix. But th- no, I'm not going to spoil something. But there is a line in it where they talk about eating humans, and one character, not going to say which character, says that babies are the most delicious, which <laughs> is <laughs> something would... else. It's all set on a train, as people would yeah. know. And the only thing it's missing, it's a very good film, is uh, a a Bond. Uh, Style theme song, <laughs> Snowpiercer. It's the train that pierces snow. Oh my God. I do want to play another little clip from Doomsday Preppers uh, where we're Is talking about... Is a clip about... of you singing that again? <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if I just played that? It's a, it's a clip of a guy. He has a teenage daughter mm-hmm. who is not into her daddy's hobby. Right. She's 16. She is con- she all episodes she's carrying around a burger in one arm and like a little tiny Paris Hilton dog in the she other. Sounds- By the way, the dog doesn't look like Paris Hilton. It's a, just a <laughs> it's like a small dog. Um She sounds like it's a dream, that's a dream life. A yeah. constant burger and a dog. That's and fun. yeah, she's she's not super into the prepping. Her dad has bought um a tank. Mm. Right, okay. <laughs> and cool. the tank comes from, this is my favourite detail, the tank comes from a, a militia group in Minnesota. He, here's the girl commenting on uh, her dad's hobby, quite unenthusiastically, as you'll hear. My dad, he just bought his, like, tank thing, and then ever since then, he, like, he, he's gotten way too into it. And that's kind of what makes him different. Because <laughs> he has a tank... I don't really think it's that cool. I think it's kind of embarrassing. Now, that, Rebecca, is from uh, an episode called Take Our Country Back, which I didn't realise America had been stolen. See, Apparently it has. That's the thing is that so many of these people are like Tea Party racists that for whatever uh, reason feel like their country's under attack and you, the government's going to You think it st- would have been in the papers if the country had been invaded. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, yeah, like I said, I think there's a certain level of, like especially in Queensland, like this summer, like oh, there's yeah. already been two huge storms that have knocked out the entire public transportation yes. system. And from when when I was in the floods, like you should have water and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, the only thing I have in my house is just so many matches. <laughs> so, like, and that's it. Like, so I don't have like b- bottles of water or anything. Or I've just got matches. So, if we are in a huge natural disaster, I can burn my house down. Yeah. So, um, the other thing is, I, I, when I was researching doomsday preppers for this podcast, and believe it or not, this is researched. <laughs> But um, there, there's a group called the Vivos Group. Vivos. I think it's Vivos or Vivos. Okay. It's a group that builds or has – I think they've built one, but they want to build 20 across America, like underground resort-style bunkers. Yeah. So it's like a huge apartment complex but all underground and it has its own like gym, air supply, the band are there, <laughs> <laughs> um, like – uh, ability to grow vegetables underground somehow, own power system, whatever. You name it, it's all underground. I looked at this and they reckon on the website the rates start at $50,000, which doesn't seem right to me. That seems really cheap to live in that one must of these be, places. Because they call it a reservation rate. So oh, that must be what okay. you just put down okay. to like well, that's expensive get your spot. for a reservation <laughs> rate then. Um, it's but, like going to Jamie, Italian, Jamie's Italian kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> So hard to get into. Yeah. So 
there's that. There's that option. By the way, on Vivo's website, it's really worth a look because they mention all the different apocalyptic-style events that yeah. could possibly happen. So, you know, you have your basic nuclear t- nuclear attacks mm-hmm. and uh, terrorism. And then they have one called Planet X. Now, Planet X scenario is that there is an undiscovered planet in our solar system that's just going to bump into Earth like a game of marbles. My favourite part of the website is when it said, Vivo's owner, Robert Vecino, is adamant that it's not a scam. He admitted... <laughs> wait, wait. It's like a car salesman going, wait, wait. this is not a dud car, buy it. He admitted that he got the idea after becoming increasingly worried about earthquakes, terrorism, and after watching the film 2012. <laughs> I don't want to promote fear, guys, but the world's going to end, so buy one of my reservations. And also, if if that's not within your price range, $50,000 to reserve something of Vivo's. What can you get for like okay. 50 to 100? No, no. So, the cheapest bunker I found is like a backyard bunker. It comes pre-made. You just have to build like a big like hole like you're putting in a pool. Imagine if you were like a kid and your parents are, got this huge hole in the backyard and you're like, oh, my God, we're getting a pool. Oh, shit, it's a fucking bunker. The cheapest bunker starts at, I think, $11,000 okay. and it looks like a skip bin. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, just a skip bin that you put in your yard and there's like no beds. You're just sitting there if there's a hurricane or whatever. Yeah, that's it's like the best bunker is from Twister, the start of Twister. <laughs> Do you remember that? I haven't seen Twister. What the fuck? You're fired. I fucking quit. <laughs> um, oh, no, we should have doomsday prepared for this. The best bunker that I could find within like a reasonable price range looks like a granny flat. And it's $35,000. Mm. It's got like a little kitchen, a bathroom, bunk beds. Um, bunker beds. A, a bunker beds, a um, painting of dogs playing poker, <laughs> just in case you wanted to remember what art was like. <laughs> what um, else do you need? So you could, you could buy that for $35,000 or you could fucking go on a European holiday, <laughs> you mental cases. <laughs> Oh Go on the best God. holiday of your life and then just die. And <laughs> yes. It's still much better <sighs> than sitting watching dogs playing poker it's for the rest sad, of your life. Sad, sad people. You're going to be one of them. I can't so. wait. Rebecca, in the theme of doomsday for this episode... We're um, going to murder suicide. Yeah. yeah. At the end. <laughs> to the end. Who gets to murder? Uh, I'll let you do it. I okay. know you've always wanted to. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I, we, we were watching... This is a recommendation of yours. When I said I wanted to discuss doomsday, you, should, you said uh, one film that mm. we should cover, and I had forgotten it existed, <laughs> mostly... That's a sign of a good film. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's from 1999, Year of Our Lord. <laughs> yes. Party-like. Uh, it's a film called Blast from the Past, a 1999, 1999, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, rom-com starring Sissy um, Spacek, Christopher Walken, Alicia Silverstone, and I forget, um, <laughs> Brendan Fraser. <laughs> Brendan uh, Fraser, Roz, I'm listening. <laughs> Niles, Dad, hello, Eddie. My lord, <laughs> it's it's an interesting film. It's about a family that uh, has lived underground since 1962. Did you see it at the time when it came out? I remember seeing it very soon after. Yeah, um, I was always into romantic comedies. Yeah, which is not a red flag. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, so it starts off with uh, Sissy Spacek and Christopher Walker, and Christopher's like a, an inventor, I guess. I guess so. He's like a rich, weird, eccentric inventor guy. And Sissy is his doting housewife. I love her so They're much. They're at a party at their home. And they're watching the president. Is it Bay of Pigs related? Yeah, yeah. yeah I the thought Cuban so. Missiles, blah, blah, blah. And Christopher is convinced there's going to be some apocalyptic event, and has prepared a bunker that exactly resembles their home underneath their home it's got everything you could ever want they 
uh, can have like they have like fish in a tank. Yeah, they've got everything. They've got and a grocery. She's pregnant as she's well. She's pregnant as well. They they're having a party. Uh, Christopher's convinced there's going to be some kind of attack. Mm-hmm. Gets his pregnant wife down into uh, the bunker. By the way, this party is happening. It does look like a really fun party. It looks like the spread is basically uh, devils on horseback, um, curried eggs, Yum. Um, everything that my parents still put out for a party. <laughs> <laughs> and he really knows how to clear a room, Christopher Walken. He's like, everybody out, which is my party move. <laughs> No, you just don't have to say anything. Or I don't get invited. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Basically, uh, a plane crashes into their house. Yeah, unrelated. It's like a small plane crashes. But uh, Christopher is convinced that it's the bomb. It's the big one. It's the big one. So they seal the doors and they won't open for another 35 years. Yeah, because of radiation. That's how long it takes. Right. So the doors auto-lock and you can't unlock them. Fascinating. Conveniently. Very convenient. (laughs) Let's not question the science of Blast Blast from the Past. I actually really enjoyed this movie. I I surprisingly – I did as well. (laughs) It's long. It's it's, long. It's fun. I really liked – like all this stuff is really fun. Yeah. Like the first half. And it's directed um, by, I think, Hugh Wilson, who also directed First Wives Club, which makes ah, a lot of sense to me. He right. knows how to make very fun yeah. movies. And Christopher Walken is just doing Christopher Walken stuff. Oh, he, he looks yeah. exactly the same. He's doing always. the same voice, the same yeah. weirdness. What is his voice? Do you think, by the way, um, when I was watching him usher Sissy down into that bunker, do you think that's where Natalie Wood is? Oh, my God. Um, Sissy Spacek, this movie... If you looked at it from another angle, is like a horrible domestic violence situation oh, yeah. where he like forces her into a bunker that she doesn't want to go into for 30, doesn't tell her that they're going in there for 35 years. And then it's like, and hey, I has, can deliver your baby. Yeah. And she has like the worst life. She hates oh, every second. Two years of into it. it, she is like the most depressed woman yeah, alive. Really and she starts sad. like mixing, like cooking sherry. Cooking and, sherry. And oh, yeah. It's exactly what I would do. They have a son, Rebecca. Yes. Who they call Adam because they have a very obvious God complex. Yeah. Um, well, they think they're going to have to rebuild the world. Yeah. They teach him everything. They teach him schooling, different languages. Uh, Sissy Spacek teaches him to dance, yeah. which is why 10-year-old Adam is super gay. But um, they also teach him to box, but in a really gay way. Yeah. <laughs> and while they're down there raising their son, a lot's going on mm. uh up on the surface. Yeah. Uh, they've bulldozed the house that they used to live in. They've built like an old uh, school diner on yeah. top. Now, through the years, that diner becomes like a hip uh, grunge hangout. And yeah. then it's like disco, I think, at one point. And, and then finally, it's just this abandoned, weird dive drug bar house. that's like some drug adult guy owns. Yeah. Um, and they refuse to dig up. What's underneath? Because they just think it's a septic tank. Yeah. Anyway, Adam grows up into Brendan Fraser, which is the worst possible scenario for anyone. So, okay, let's talk about our Brendan Fraser feelings. I don't want to talk about him because I thought he was really good in this. This is the my favorite thing that I've ever seen. He's, he's getting to be very earnest and yeah, very but I Christian. Like that. He's like a Boy Scout. Basically, he's like a puppy dog. Like yeah. A- Live pup, a human puppy dog. He's very annoying, though. No, I like it. Because he's only lived with... Imagine if you had been brought up by Sissy Spacek and Christopher <laughs> Walken. You would be fucked up. It's yeah. surprising he turned out so normal. Um, so, but uh, meanwhile, 35 years passes. Yeah. Um, Adam's old as fuck. He's past his sexual prime. Yeah. He's probably never masturbated. I'm I know. That's the there. thing that confused... I wrote down he wouldn't even know what to do with a boner. There's no way they taught him that. Are you instinctively know what to do with a boner? I don't know. As somebody who had a boner, it took, had one. It once. Took, had one back many years ago. <laughs> took me a while to work out what it was. But he's so Christian and religious. Like there's all sorts of weird things going on. The doors unlock, Rebecca, after yep. 35 years, and Christopher Walken is the first person to go up in his like hazmat suit. Yeah, at uh, night time. The drug adult guy who lives above is convinced he is God. Mm-hmm. He goes out onto the street. And encounters firstly a uh, transsexual I know. prostitute, and then he encounters a man vomiting and decides that this is hell. <laughs> so his thing is, he comes up and he sees homeless people, trans people, and sex workers, and then people of color, and, and he's then like, someone vo- this yeah. is hell. This is hell. I'm going yeah. down back to the basement. <laughs> 
for the rest of my the fucking thing life. Is, the thing is, he, he basically walks into downtown LA yeah. and he's like, this is a nightmare. It's like, no, LA has always been a nightmare, yeah, and it always you will idiot. Be a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> they send Adam up anyway because they need more supplies. And he has a heart attack, Christopher Walken. And he has a heart attack. Or something. And Sissy Spacek runs out of booze. Yes. And gives him <laughs> so much money to go and get booze. Um, so he goes up in the world. He's, he's fascinated by the sky. He encounters a uh, African American postal worker who he refers to as a Negro. Oh, yes, that's awkward. Very kindly. Um, yeah. And then he goes to sell some baseball cards where he meets Eve, played mm-hmm. by Alicia Silverstone. Bit on the nose, guys. Bit on the nose. Uh, Alicia Silverstone, for some reason, uh, what does she do in that pawn shop? She's like a, she works there. Okay. She saves him from giving away all his. Yeah, cards for like five hundred dollars when there's been, thousands also, and thousands. Also been called bad at business. Um, and it's not her business. She's just a nice person. She look. You know my feelings on Lucy Silverstone, and she's can, very go. Can I just tell you though, in this movie, Don't her hair it. looks <gasps> like beautiful. No, 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 excuse me, just wait. Okay. Her hair looks like every girl's hair that they get the for formal. their dead ball. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's like yeah. very ringletty yeah, and long that. and that. greasy. It's not greasy. It is. It's like she's put in. A ton of hairspray. It's or something. no, it's just beautiful hair that looks like it's no. been in big curlers. It's horrible. No, you're an idiot. Um, he doesn't want to leave Alicia Silverstone. Obviously, she's very beautiful, apart from the d- dead boar hair. And he's lost. And he he's doesn't lost. Know what he's doing. Uh, How she's he- convinced that he's uh, going to rape her and tries to run away. And then he's he like, "I'll, I'll give you uh, this four thousand dollar baseball card to drop me to the Holiday Inn, which yeah. is where I'll stay." And she's like. Okay, so essentially she's like selling off the prospect of her getting assaulted for a four thousand dollars. She doesn't card. really think he's going to. She just she can tell that he's a nice person. Because I thought going in that I would be a bit weirded out by their romantic relationship because he's like a baby, but mm-hmm. he's not really. He's just a bit weird. And I, why doesn't he have like a vitamin D deficiency? Like he should <laughs> look know. like he's in the others. And he's kind of buff as well. Yeah, he's tall and buff. I guess he's like in prison. He did yeah, a lot of I guess so. Out. That's another reason I want to <laughs> go down in that bunker. Um, <sighs> he's instantly in love with Eve. How could as you he not? Would be. Uh, and he offers Eve money to help him get all the supplies he needs yeah. to go back down into the bunker, which is a job that she accepts. Mm-hmm. Uh, through Alicia, he is introduced to her roommate, who is played by... I thought by, it was her brother. I thought it was her roommate. Hmm. Anyway, either way, he's played by uh, Kids in the Hall, News Radio love. star Dave Foley, who he's I love. so good. Who is perfectly he's, cast yep. in this. He is the classic, uh, like, 90s homo. He's yep. got, like, the dark fringe. Yep. He's pretentious. He's talking about sushi, <laughs> the new thing. But he's still really... I. He's I really said nice. that I said even though he like has all the stereotypes like he loves shopping and all I still thought he's really like dry enough to be like really funny. I I, I really wanted this so uh Dave Foley goes shopping with Adam to get some new you wanted hip a montage. clothes. I wanted a montage but I also like thought that this movie could have taken a really interesting turn where Dave Foley turns this man who's lived below the earth for 35 years into like the perfect gay man. <laughs> <laughs> cool. I I wrote down um Queer Eye for Encino guy. Oh, good. Yes. But they all, they both really like him. Like he's very genuine and, yeah. and enthusiastic. He's just not cynical. That's why we're used no. to so many people are cynical. And so when so. people are not cynical, we're like, oh, that's weird. Yeah. But it's just nice. And he wants to find a girlfriend. His yeah. parents want him to find a woman to bring back down into the bunker and live with them. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> look, I mean, there are a lot of desperate women out there. People are writing to Charles Manson and getting married to him. People so. on The Bachelor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they bring him out to this very strange club yes, to meet a woman. It's like the his parents' party but at a club. The, the strange thing about this club is I think they're playing like jazz yeah. for one. And um, there's also just all these beautiful women who are standing on their own. Yeah. I want to know where this club is so I can tell my friend Julian Blank about it. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> the women are very charmed by him, Rebecca. Yes. Because he's a very good dancer. On the dance floor with these women that he picks up, he's kind of dirty dancing, which leads me to the conclusion <laughs> that that's what his mother taught him. <laughs> Someone's got to teach you how oh to God. grind. Grind up on that. Bump and grind. <laughs> yeah. 
Thanks, mum. So Alicia Silverstein starts getting jealous because yes, she, she realizes. realizes that she has fallen in love with him. But then he makes the mistake of telling her about the bunker. And she thinks he's insane. Which you would. I do no, not blame her. No. <laughs> I'm pretty open to anything. And then so she calls... I guess you could just call the crazy sl- house, yeah. the loon, the loon bin. I guess you could just call them and be like, tell them anything about anyone, yeah. and they'll come, <laughs> and they'll come and collect <laughs> yeah. them and put them away. So yeah, it's, it's going to be knock on your door like an hour from now. But she, she does believe him after a while. They they go back to his hotel room and find the fact that uh, he's got all this IBM stock and he's loaded. And yep. then Alicia Silverstone, stranger, has the realization that maybe he's not so bad after all. <laughs> Don't be so silly. She'd already fallen for him. But there. that certainly helped the case a lot. Don't you bad mouth? Okay. Her. She's so she lovely. discovers he's worth millions, and millions of dollars, and decides to go and find him. <laughs> She says, at least I fell for him before yeah, sure. I found out he was rich, yeah. which is a change. Way harsh, Ty. And then he leaves her a message, which is actually really sweet when yes. he's like, he's basically saying like, I wish so many good things for you. Like, that's such a nice sentiment. And he brings her back down to the bunker at the end, meets the parents and says, look, give us, give us two months. Yeah. Because they want them to sell all the IBM stock. He doesn't tell them that. This is a surprise. And he builds a home that looks exactly like their home, but it's got a beautiful backyard. Yeah. Yeah. And then the next day, there's a nuclear holocaust, and they all die. It's a very, it's a weird ending. It's It's, a weird way to end. That was the funniest part. The harshest, the harshest thing, Ty, is um, the reviews for Alicia Silverstone. This movie. Why? This was the beginning. Or maybe it was near the beginning of the Silverstone backlash, which certainly oh. happened. Following Clueless, following Batman and Robin, uh, there was a huge Silverstone backlash. Let me read a few no, reviews that will I'm make you sad. very angry. So this is from uh, my friend uh, and fellow MRA, Bregund from San Francisco. <laughs> and Bregund writes, The problem in this movie is Alicia Silverstone. During the entire run of the film, she screeches at the top of her lungs about everything. Someone please tell Hollywood that the beautiful, desirable lead woman is not instantly funnier when she yells. Yelling is not a substitute for good writing. Silverstone isn't beautiful enough for her looks to resume her poisonous behavior, angry tirades, or greedy manipulation. Totally disagree. Every time an unpleasant screeching harpy, such as Eve, appears in a movie, it does a disservice to beautiful women everywhere. Eva Mendes in Hitch is another example. No man would ever want to be with such a loud, tacky, irritating woman, no matter how beautiful she is. What? Oh, my God. I can tell you Grace Collier is doing very well for herself, so you're wrong, Bregrand. I don't even – I don't remember any um, – I, I didn't even notice that whatsoever, that being a thing. This is my other favourite one. Oh, this is from you, Mark Jamali. Um, he's from the forums. Big ups to Mark. Alicia Silverstone's character Eve is a total bitch. What? She lightens up a little when it gets towards the ending and the middle – but what's with the attitude? So just the start when she's not in it. <laughs> what's with the attitude? Lighten up. I know Adam is really freaky and dorky, but she is a bitch to both Troy and Adam. A funny part in this movie was the part when she runs in her car and is scared by Adam and flips over. <laughs> no recollection of this. She really overreacted and that was funny. I don't like this movie that much either. In conclusion, I think that Adam is a freak, Troy is a weirdo, and Eve is a bitch. <laughs> What a total bitch. Is she a bitch because she helped him yeah. like not get yeah. ripped off and yeah. then helped him yeah. f- do all the things he yeah, wanted? Yeah, she's a bitch. That's the definition of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you fucking assholes. Rebecca, I'm a massive fan of a new podcast that's debuted on the, I think it's called the Wolf Pop Network, but it's, uh, it's from the huge podcasting network Earwolf, which, uh, hosts, I think, Comedy Bang Bang. I think Doug Loves Movies is possibly no. on Earwolf. No? How, um, how did this get made is okay. those sort of things. Very good. Uh, the new Lauren Lapkus, uh, special guest with Lauren so Lapkus, good. very, very funny, is on Earwolf too. But this, uh, they've, they've done a whole, uh, new slate of, uh, podcasts. 
that I think are going to be like one-off podcasts. There might be a limited number of episodes. Um, there's one with Leonard Moulton. We love to plug other podcasts. Yeah, it's a show about plugging other podcasts. Um, so go and listen to that. Turn this off right now. And go and listen to a new podcast called Cry Babies. It's legitimately my favorite new podcast because Serial took a break for Thanksgiving. Fuck you, Serial. Uh, Sarah, something's such a lazy. Ugh, what a lazy pants. mole. Also, I have never lo- I will never listen to Chat 10 Looks 3 because fuck you, Lee Sales. Uh. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you have enough, Lee Sales? Yeah, and Annabelle Crab. Aren't you just amazing oh, enough? Ugh. Let's let's have Lee Sales be like beautiful and amazing, and have a great podcast, and then play the piano and sing beautifully. And what we do next, like be gay as yeah. well. <laughs> you can take over fucking all we have. <laughs> Give us something. You're gonna wear like cool Ninja Turtle t-shirts as well, Lee Sales. <laughs> That's mine. Why are you taking thing. everything away from us? <laughs> anyway, there's a new show called Cry Babies. It's all about uh, the movies, TVs, books, news stories that make you cry, which you, which you think might not be a great listen, but it's hosted by two uh, really interesting, wonderful women. Uh, first is Susan Orlean, who is an author. She wrote The Orchid Thief. I think she recently wrote a like bio of Rin Tin Tin. She could basically write anything she yeah. wants. And she was played by Meryl Streep in Adaptation, mm-hmm. which uh, not many women have uh, the pleasure of having Meryl Streep you portray them. You have to be them. Susan Orlean or Lindy Chamberlain. Or um, the real-life character that inspired Mamma Mia. <laughs> and the other host is Sarah Thayer, who uh, is a wonderful comedian and actress. People will know her as the PE teacher in Strangers with Candy. Uh, she does lots of uh, improv stuff. UCB hosting shows, um, and she's married to the great Andy Richter. And they always have awesome guests on every week. Uh, they've had Christopher Guest, um, only people with the last name Guest, Rob Guest, he's dead, that's sad. Um, on Crybabies every week, they get uh, a guest to bring in three things that make them cry, three media items, I would say, that make them cry. Um And I just listened to an episode this morning with Nico Case. Mm -hmm. A lot of her uh, cry triggers, as we'll call them, were my cry triggers that I I Mm. almost was going to talk about here. So I thought it would be interesting because we'll never be guests on that show because neither of us are famous enough (laughs) um, or or at all, uh, that we would choose three things that are cry triggers for us. And I... Unlike you, Rebecca, I cry in movies a lot. Why does he sound like me? And in you life. think I'm heartless? I think you're heartless. You never cried in Toy Story 3. I didn't cry. In- which is ridiculous. Why would I cry in a movie when nothing bad happened Fuck off. to them? Lots of bad things happen. It's about losing everyone, childhood. It's everyone about, cries mm, when they're going to go into the fire, go away, but they didn't go off. into the fire. No, so it's why really would you sad. Because they're holding that. hands. It's all about unity. It's not about the fact okay. that they're going to die. It's about them coming together nothing as happens. friends, as toy they're friends. Fun. Oh, well, now there's going to be a Toy Story 4, so who's stupid for crying at two, Toy Story 3? Small. Um, how about you go first with your first cry trigger, Rebecca? Well, I cry at some things. I don't believe it. And sometimes I want to cry, so I'll watch things specifically that make me cry. My first thing is the episode of Futurama, Jurassic Bark. Oh, yes. Oh, God. <laughs> so no, do I explain what it is? Yes, explain what it is. So um, if you haven't seen it... Basically, it's an episode about Fry who um, the professor says that he can clone Fry's dog, yes. Seymour, that he had in uh, on Earth. Yes. Like in, back in, back in 99 or whenever yeah. it is, yeah. Um, and so they're going to clone him, but Fry has a change of heart and says no because he – because Seymour lived till he was 12, mm-hmm. they found out – no, 15. Yes. And so – um, Fry says, I had Seymour until he was three. That's when I knew him. That's when I loved him. I'll never forget him. Mm-hmm. But he forgot me a long, t- long time ago. So he doesn't want to bring mm-hmm. him back. But then they do a flashback and then they show that Seymour had, Seymour had faithfully obeyed Fry's last command, which was to wait in front of Panucci's pizza until he returned. Oh, Seymour so stays long. there as he is past. Um, and as he starts to show his age, in the final shot, Seymour lies down and closes his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So he stays because so, Fry said to stay, oh, and he so he stays there for thirteen more years after Fry goes away. Teary, <laughs> because I think it's something uh, we we've had pets. I imagine yes. you had pets. I have no idea what your life was like, as I said before. <laughs> um, but I I once had to walk a dying dog home. Oh. Uh, you know how dogs like seek like underneath houses yeah, when they start to die. Um, my one of my Ugh. dogs did that and uh, a neighbor called us and said, look, your dog is like lying underneath our house. Can you please get it out of here? And I'm like, all right. And I was like 10 years old or something. And oh. so I had to walk this dog who was really the definition of on their last legs. Yeah. He was very arthritic, could barely move, oh. you know, legs. And then the dog died the next day. Oh. And I, I just knew as a 10-year-old as a that that was what was going to yeah. happen and that this is... I think it's like it's to do with the loyalty as well. Absolutely. And, stayed and it was so sad. It's just I can't even... When it comes on, I just can't even watch it. No. Um, my first choice is a book. I chose three different sorts of types of things. Uh, and it's a book called The Tall Man by Chloe Hooper. Um, it's pretty much the greatest non-fiction book, I think, that we've ever produced in this country. It's about the... Uh, the Dumaji case on Palm Island and mm. the Indigenous death in custody. The reason I chose this is because I actually didn't cry until the very last page. Um, obviously, we know what happened. Uh, Hurley didn't spend any time, didn't get charged. And he was even held up as a kind of hero figure with the police, which is very awkward. Um, and uh, Chloe Hooper, at the very end of the book, writes about going to a parade for uh, policemen um, and she sees Hurley, Sergeant Hurley, and she sees him raise, I think it's his young daughter, up on his shoulders. And basically she has this huge revelation. It was just so breathtaking the way she wrote it. It's it's satisfying when a writer leaves things open-ended for me and yeah. doesn't take a position, but Hooper had been so fair throughout the entire book. It's completely overwhelming and beautiful. And it's, I remember staying up until, I think, 4.30. Mm. It's the latest I've ever stayed up reading because I had to read the end. And when it's 4.30 and you've realised you have work at 7am... That's why you cry. <laughs> it, it, it contributed. Um, what what else did you choose, Beck? Um, well, I didn't just want to do all sad crying ones. Okay, Because I was going to talk about Dear Zachary because that oh, yes. has made me cry more than any movie yes. in history. But instead I decided to choose Imagine Me and You, which is a romantic comedy. Who's that, in that? Well... Dear Peter. Look. Is it the lesbian broke back? It no, it's not sad, but the thing is is that it's pretty much the only there's only like ten lesbian movies in the entire <laughs> world. And this one is the only actually good movie. It's got Lena okay. Hetty and Piper Parabo in it and yeah, Giles Piper from Parabo, Buffy. Yes. And it's actually the only one that has like a happy ending. What? Who does Giles from Buffy play? He plays Lena Headey's dad. Oh, okay. Um, he plays the third lesbian. <laughs> but because there's so there's so few movies that aren't like yeah. the kids are. So are, what? You cried because you were like, there should be more movies. No, like this. because it's a happy ending okay, for good. once. That's nice. I and like we a happy never ending. get a fucking happy ending. It's always the kids are alright is a good movie, but. Julianne Moore fucks Mark Ruffalo. But they end up together at the end. Spoiler. I don't care. This. Sometimes I just want one movie where the lesbian doesn't die or isn't doesn't, doesn't get pregnant a man. or doesn't yeah. sleep with a man, and this is okay. when it happens. And actually, it's the only one where Piper probably leaves a man for Lena Headey. <laughs> Whoa, that would so never happen the in the real world. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the second choice of mine is a song. Yeah. Um, now I had a couple of songs that I could have chosen, um, and they're actually covered by Nico Case on The Last Crybabies. But the song I chose uh, is Super Gay. I needed to put something really gay in. Uh, so I chose... Oh, I thought the song was called Super Gay. I'm yeah. like, I've never heard of that. Super Gay. <laughs> um, the song I chose um, is from Stephen Sondheim's Sunday in the Park with George. Oh and it's a song uh, called Move On, which is sung by Bernadette Peters' character. Um, who's kind of the muse for George Sorat. You just rolled your eyes at my lesbian movie <laughs> one and now you're bringing fucking Sondheim. Excuse me, this song is about, so it's not a, it's not really a love song. It's a song yeah. about, um, 
pursuing something creative in life and really questioning yourself yeah. and not being able to work because you're like, everything I do is shit and self-esteem well, we issues. Like. And yes, we, I kind of relate to it. It has incredible lyrics like a lot of Sondheim songs do. So it's got the lyric, stop worrying if your vision is new. Let others make that decision. They usually do. And there's another lyric, which is, um, I chose and my world was shaken, so what? The choice may have been mistaken, the choosing was not. It's about like, you know, letting yeah. go of that self-doubt and just doing shit, which yeah. is still something I struggle with yeah. a lot. Um, so I think it's, it's nice to be able to, uh, to have a cry at a song that isn't like, oh, someone left me, yeah, Abigail Breslin, so you suck. <laughs> <laughs> um, I saw Bernadette Peters sing oh, wow. in Follies in on Broadway. What did she sing? Broadway. Still, um, I'm still here. She wasn't that character, was she? Yeah, it's like that big, like, yeah. I'm thinking about you. Oh, no, no. Okay, that's a different song. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, but it was really beautiful. Yeah. And, and she has such an affecting, it's like yeah. a bird, like, it's like, she makes a, me cry as soon as she opens her mouth. Yeah. Soon, yeah. And it's like shaky almost. Oh, it's, it's, it's it very really vulnerable. Beautiful. She's a very yeah. vulnerable performer. Your third choice, Rebecca. <laughs> My third one is, um, YouTube clips. Okay. Of. <laughs> I know what it's going to be already. Can I guess? Yes. It's, um, something you talk about so often. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, ex servicemen returning home and their dogs running yes. towards them. I knew it. I okay. fucking knew it. This is what I watch if I'm in a mood where I need to cry. I will either watch. There's a lot of dogs being rescued yeah. and like um baths and turned into fun happy baths. Do- like they find them in rubbish piles oh, okay. and they like get them new homes and they're like beautiful and so and the thing about dogs that really gets me is that humans can do anything to them yes. and they will still I want know. just want love yes and that really really gets me and um and there are compilation videos of it or yeah of the 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 and the dogs rescuing one always have like a sad song over it and then it gets happy and it's just like the music. The soldiers returning home one is the best because okay. the dogs are just so unbelievably happy. And there's also kids when their dads, and I don't care about them. I only care about the dogs and I cry. It makes me cry and cry. I talked to you about this before, but I really wanted to do a parody video of that, which is, um, ex servicemen coming home to, and their cat's reaction, which would just to be to lay there or walk away from them. <laughs> you, Tippy would run towards you yes. and leap into your arms. I honestly don't believe you. She would. No. I remember she you get- came back here to my house to collect her once and she couldn't have been less interested. She was not out of her home. Oh, rubbish. The third choice of mine is a film. Um, it's a film that I saw with my housemate. Now, the worst thing about seeing like films with other people is if they don't have the same like sad reaction to something as you do, it can be really off-putting. So this is one of those movies. Like if we went and saw Toy Story yes. 3 together. Um, I went and saw this with my old housemate David and don't. we watched uh, The Wrestler oh, together, yeah. which is a movie that I howled in. But <laughs> I that was me seeing The Wrestler because The Wrestler, obviously, it's Mickey Rourke. He uh, lives in a caravan park. He was once a great wrestler. Mm-hmm. He is now what he describes as an old, broken-down piece of meat. He's given up on himself. He tries to reconnect with his daughter. She doesn't want a bar mm-hmm. of him, probably for good reason, but he's really trying to start life anew. He's uh, hooks up with Marissa Tomei, beautiful Marissa Tomei. Do but better, Marissa. He realizes he's he's just given up on life, and there's a scene towards the end of the film going to – he's had a heart attack – and he's going to do this great rematch of one of his great, uh, what would you call it, wrestling competitions? I have no <laughs> idea. I'm so out of my depth. Um, but Marissa Tomei tries to stop him because she knows that if he competes, he'll definitely die. Yeah. She tries to stop him and he says the line, I don't get hurt in there, I only get hurt out there, and points mm. out to the world. And then... The credits is a Bruce Springsteen song. It's like somebody tried to make a movie to make me weep. Um, and I thought we could end this, Rebecca, with uh, that Bruce Springsteen song. Have you ever seen a one-trick pony and feel so happy and free? 
If you've ever seen a one-trick pony, then you've seen me. Have you ever seen a one-legged dog making his way down the street? If you've ever seen a one-legged dog, then you've seen me. Then you've seen me. I come and stand at every door. And you've seen me. Less than I had before, and you've seen me, but I can make you smile when the blood it hits the floor. Tell me, friend, can you ask for anything more? Tell me, can you ask for anything more? Rebecca, another classic episode. Oh, just one for the vault. Straight into that's. I watched um, Babadook yesterday. Oh, the what's Babadook. it like? It's really, really good. Why? Okay, so why? When I say another classic episode, you say I watched the Babadook. Uh, because what was the line of thought there? <laughs> because because I, I remind you of the Babadook. <laughs> no, um, you're a Babasook. No, because I read a review that said it's an instant classic, and so oh. in my head it just connected. And I okay. <laughs> All right. I have an interesting, interesting brain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the next time you'll hear us is probably for our Christmas episode, which mm. I always love the Christmas episode. I don't love Christmas, but I love Christmas things. Yes. Things. I love Christmas movies. I quite like Christmas songs. Do you? I like, oh. I like lights, pretty lights. <laughs> oh, I like, um, I used to like, like gathering everyone in the car and going to look at Christmas lights. I really, really enjoyed that. Yeah. We're different. <laughs> <laughs> I I said yesterday that the only way I'd go to see the lighting of a Christmas tree was if it was on fire. <laughs> you say the same thing about crosses. It's a weird thing you have. <laughs> yeah. um, so you'll hear that. Beck, I think I want to plug something of yours, which is a oh. really funny letter you wrote for The Lifted Did you read Brow. It? I read it. You oh. sent it to me before Oh, that's right. I thought you actually paid for the magazine. Fuck off. I'm going to pay for it. But other people can pay for it and read it. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a good sort of letter to the editor style piece. Yeah. A um, couple of people, literally two, have said it's funny. So that's good. That's, that's good. a good ratio, two yeah. out of two. Yeah. <laughs> what else? Tumblr. Tumblr yeah. you can Tumblr's have a look at. Exists. Tumblr's <laughs> exist. You can have a look at ours. It's bringaplatepodcast.tumblr.com. And if you want to get us a Christmas present, don't. please do. Ask for our address. Yeah. Send Ask for our address. Peter Honestly, loves I would send it Hendrix. to you. I love, oh God, I love Hendrix. <laughs> if someone were to send me a bottle of Hendrix... I would be so happy. Oprah, if you're listening. <laughs> I will accept um, any gifts. iTunes, leave us a review on iTunes maybe. Yes. So subscribe. Download this. Subscribe. I really want to beat uh, people in the Act 10, Look 3, <laughs> whatever it is, uh, Chat 10, Act 10. You can't – you Serial. go to the um, iTunes – Top episodes like for Australian comedy podcasts, and it's eight out of them are Hamish and Andy, and the other two are Kyle and Jackie. Welcome to Night Vale. Who gives a shit? (laughs) Uh, Follow us on Twitter. I might start tweeting again soon, but can't for a few days. But I'm at Peter Taggart. I'm at Brock Goldsnitch. We were talking earlier in this episode about what makes a great revenge love song, Mm -hmm. which is why I wanted to say to you: See, I don't. No, why you crying like a bitch? Talking shit like a broccoli snitch. <laughs> why you write a song about me? If you really didn't care, you wouldn't want to share. Telling everybody just how you feel. And fuck what I did was your fault somehow. Fuck the presents. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> I threw all that shit out. Fuck all the crying. It didn't mean Jack. Yeah, well, guess what, yo? <laughs> fuck you right back. <laughs> fuck you. You didn't know that. Fuck no. you right. No, honestly, fuck you right I back. I thought you were going to do um, hit him up style. <laughs> I was prepared for that. Tracking like the bad breath. My grandma thought the poetry cheap like a motel. Half man, half a raisin.